All right, I'm going to call Amazon and see if they can give me some pointers on fly selection. Thank you for contacting Amazon. We're experiencing longer than normal wait times. We're sorry about this. All right, now let's try Drift Outfitters Fly Shop in Toronto. Hey, Chris, it's Mitch from SoFly. Hey, what's going on? Hey, man, I'm just calling to ask about uh, some steelhead flies. Oh, yeah, what do you need to know? Drift Outfitters and Fly Shop at 199 Queen Street East in Toronto is your friendly, supportive, local shop that is far from being just a shop. It's our community fly fishing hub right here in Ontario, a province filled with opportunities to catch all kinds of different fish. And who best to ask about those opportunities, techniques, and appropriate gear choices than the awesome crew down at Drift Outfitters. Drift has been our go-to since they opened. They're packed with gear, flies, rods, clothing, and more to get you out on the water having fun. They're not a store, they're friends. Friends with all the best advice. So if you're just getting into fly fishing or have been doing it for decades, Drift Outfitters should be part of your life. Visit them online at driftoutfitters.com or in-store at 199 Queen Street East in Toronto. Well, welcome to the first episode of the new year of SoFly. Hey, come on, Yoma. Yay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning into this first episode. My name is Mitchell. We've got Aldo. Hi, everybody. And we've got Yoma. Hi, everyone. And uh, we've got some news, I guess. News, you know, I mean, it's the new year, so we're doing some new things around here. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, one of those things we're doing is switching up format a little bit. You know, it's been eight years we've been doing this podcast. Can you believe that's that? That's crazy. It's insane. And I think uh, we all thought about that and, that and thought, man, maybe we should kind of start switching things up because we've been doing the same format for eight years and it's been fun and it's been swell, but why not try some new things? Because that's Jeez. what the most amazing thing about life is, trying new things. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. I like when you say swell. <laughs> Change is good, man. Change is good. I also noticed yeah. both of you are drinking some sort of nice warming tea. Yeah, I got uh, a nice um, Japanese green sencha tea here. Uh, of course, um, one of the things that, well, we changed a little bit ago, but maybe if you haven't tried out, is you can see what they're drinking if you watch us on YouTube. That's right. <laughs> the full <laughs> podcasts are, are available on YouTube um, if you don't want to pay for iTunes or Spotify. <laughs> and that will be a continuing trend, and we're going to actually try to improve our video podcasts on YouTube even more and just... Yeah, I think this year is all about tightening things up and uh, making them even better for you, the listeners who are so gracious to listen to this and get some kind of enjoyment out of it. So we're going to just keep on um, trying to make it better. And so, um, yeah, what we're going to do first is uh, have these intros and then we'll go to the segment in the show and then we'll have an outro. But, you know, don't have to worry about that. Sit back and just enjoy the ride. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, like Aldo said, keep tuned into our YouTube because we will be uh, perfecting that as well. Yeah, I think we'll be kicking off every show like we normally do with an intro, but sometimes on our show, what we'll do is we'll check in with the community calendar or stuff that's happening in the province or some other stuff, and we'll get that right out of the way in the beginning. Um, and of course, actually, yeah. what we'd love is if more people emailed the show with questions and stuff, and we'd love to you know, hear from you guys and answer those emails at the, yeah. at the front end of the show, and then 
and then you'll hear the segment. Usually that's going to be a guest, but sometimes maybe it won't be. And the other thing is we're going to sometimes have best fishing story ever. Sometimes we'll have fish factor fishy, you know, like it's not going to be uh, as formulaic in that sense. We're just going to have the segments in when they are the best possible quality that yeah. we can bring to you. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, more to come as well, more changes to come and, and more fun things. But, uh, I think this is going to be a really interesting year of just, yeah, switching things up, trying new things and trying to make it the best it can be. And only the hardest flacter fishies. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, they're going to yeah. be, right, uh, Yuma? yeah, <laughs> they're going to be next level. They're going to be next level. You better watch out. <laughs> well, uh, on that note, I'll just do a quick, um, maybe touch base. It's of course, uh, this is coming out January 15th. And if you're hearing this on January 15th, on January 24th is yeah. our first event of the year, which is awesome. We're doing it with Affinity Fish um, at Sake and Scissors, the second uh, installment of that, which is our food and fly tying series. Um, if you'd like, uh, come down to Affinity Fish on uh, Dundas Street West. You can go to sofly.ca for all the details. And we'll put the we'll put the link actually to the event in the show notes as well if you want to check it out. And, um, yeah. and yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like um, Jordan from... A perfect drift guide company is going to lead us through a little bit of a fly tying seminar. Um, John and Matt from Affinity Fish are going to be frying up those absolutely banging whitefish sandos. Hey, Yoma? Those are so good. Those are and really also good. there's going to be vices and stuff set up so you can just kind of casually tie um, and and tie and tie and talk with buddies. And yeah, and it's, yeah, it's supposed to be super chill. Last year, we you know yeah. I think we got about fifty people out, which is probably as many people as you can fit in an Affinity yeah. Fish. <laughs> that's yeah. that's that's more than expected because that's a small space. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to have a raffle with some awesome prizes from uh, actually Arcteryx Toronto um, is giving away some backpacks. Uh, Costa is giving us a little prize pack. Drift is giving us uh, some gear to give away. And uh, Matt and John are um, raffling off some of those amazing fish prints again. It's going to be a fun one. Jan 24th, Affinity Fish in Toronto on Dundas. More details at SoFly.ca, but come on out. Yeah. You can find Holdo running around back and forth. I'll whoa, be on the whoa, camera whoa, and Mitch whoa, will be whoa, whoa, having whoa. a beer with somebody. <laughs> Plant, planted, planted. <laughs> he's just planted. Yeah, he's going to be planted right. drinking. What are you going to be doing, Yama? Maybe a little shootings. bit of both. Shooting. A bit of both. Yeah. Oh, you know he's going to be eating. Oh, he's going to be eating, baby. Uh, and yeah, the raffle goes to benefit uh, the BGOW Run Girl Outdoor World uh, Community Fund. So, heck yeah. The raffles always go to charity. And What else do we got coming up? Is that it for now? Is that the only thing? Wait, wait, well, wait, the wait, end wait, of January. Wait. What did Mitch just do? I'm sorry. What did you just do? I'm sorry. I just oh, I have poured to... some tea. You have your teapot right there. Oh, that is that is. I know. Is that nice? That is so. This nice. This is from Cheese Boutique in Toronto. I love it. <sighs> Isn't it so sick? Yeah, it's it is so my nice. favorite. It's, really it's like cool. my favorite thing. Um. Anyways, Thought the only other thing that's thing. going on is is Drift is Drift Outfitters. Of course, is our um, you know one of our title sponsors, and obviously the fly shop that we go yep. to. Um, they are doing a tying series. I want to. I definitely you know, shine a light on them, but they're doing it with Matt Martin from smooth uh, river guiding and smooth river Academy. Um, but most of them are actually kind of getting sold out. So if there's a few tickets left, maybe check it out, but he's uh, leading people through various tying seminars. One of them is going to be at the left field brewery, the new In Liberty, Liberty village. village West Sick. end location of the left field, which I was at the other night and man, it is really nice. Like the seminar room that they're doing it in is like, That's it's sad, right beside man the tank like all the beer tanks it's really really cool <laughs> that's fun yeah i gotta go yeah. check that out well we'll go to that that's when yeah. is that again that's gonna be january 30th so if you have bought a ticket you'll see us sick maybe that that maybe that's incentive to return your ticket don't return it just don't return it we won't go we'll be there Jeez. if you don't like us we'll avoid you <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's awesome anyways. you know 
like Matt and Drift always put on great educational series. So, you know, you'll learn some wicked. Drift's um, tying section is yeah. uh, exploded. I went there yeah. yesterday. They have so much tying stuff. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. Mitch, you so, kind of yeah. got back into the tying, yeah? I'm you just set up a desk yeah. is what I meant. You set up your desk. Well, maybe we'll chat about that later, but we we will t- we will touch on that. The new, uh, I guess, the, coming back into fly tying. But why don't we head on over to the feature of this episode? And what is that episode? So you want to go saltwater fly fishing, huh? Hey. We're going to just talk about how we, you know, got into saltwater fly fishing as, you know, um, northern, uh, you know, Ontario people who... Uh, really are f- pretty far from any kind of saltwater destination. And uh, I don't think ever really thought necessarily we were going to be like going on fly fishing trips in the saltwater as a common thing. You know, I didn't think that. Um, no, I didn't so think that. We're going to talk about how you can do that, how it's maybe not as daunting of a thing, but we'll get to that right after these words. Today's show is brought to you in part by Chums. You know, Chums, the company that makes those can't-live-without-em straps that keep your sunglasses on your melon. Believe it or not, Chums has been around for 40 years, making top-notch outdoor accessories for all the guides, river rats, and weekend warriors out there. Chums got their start in southern Utah back in 1983, when a guide on the Colorado River invented their now-famous original cotton eyewear retainer. Chums still makes many of its products in Utah, and everything they produce is designed to help you hang on to the gear you value most. Head to chums.com to explore a wide range of products, including wallets, roll-top dry bags, waste packs, dry sacks for your phone, and of course, glasses, retainers, and all kinds of wicked styles. Every time we hit the water, Chums is right there with us in the form of amazing gear, which means we never have to worry about our sunglasses or phones sinking to the murky depths of the waters we love to fish. Head to chums.com to check out their full lineup of outdoor accessories that's chums.com so you want to go saltwater fly fishing eh? uh well there you guys are a very good thing to do and also um you know we we get it it's a fun thing especially if you're not from a salty region if you're from fresh water or even a northern climate that's you know far from any kind of salt water fishing is a very very different thing to do so good choice um I guess the first thing to say today is this episode, you know, this this segment's not specifically going to be about like fishing techniques for all these different species of fishing and catching salt water. I mean, that's like that's a whole other show. In fact, like we've done some of that. You know, you can go back and listen to our back catalog of shows from Bahamas or Texas totally. or Tobago or Mexico, and you can hear some of those tips and tricks of how to you know fish. But because I don't know about you, Mitchie, if I start talking about bonefish, it's all we're going to talk about. You know, I mean, it's like. You know, you could talk, you talk about, about how to catch a bonefish on a fly is a whole thing. It's so whole thing. This, this episode is not about, you know, how to target fish <laughs> per se. This is like you decided you want to go saltwater fly fishing or maybe it feels like it's out of reach in terms of just like, I don't know, it's such a big thing to pull off. I don't even know the first thing about doing it or it's like, oh, it's going to be more complicated than I think. We're here to tell you that it not not necessarily is. And um, we might have some tips to to help, you know demystify and break down the uh, the barriers that might be in the way for you. Totally. Because I think, you know, for us, again, growing up in Ottawa, living in Toronto, and, you know, we never thought we'd ever go, like, if I, I like, me as a teenager, it was like, if I get to go to the flats once in my life, yeah, amazing. But then you start doing it, and, like, obviously, we do this for SoFly, but I've been on a lot of personal trips, too, because it's yeah. just, like, it's turned into something that, again, I feel more comfortable doing, yeah. and one time, I didn't, so... 
hundred percent. I never really like, apart from like SoFly has been awesome for us in that sense. But if it wasn't for SoFly, I don't know if I necessarily ever, maybe I would, I don't know. But like, I feel like just like you, you know, growing up was like, oh man, the saltwater is like a whole other world. It's not really my place. I don't know how to do it. And it seems so out of, out of reach, like complicated. Maybe one day I'll find myself on a beach and I'll just cast, but to plan out a DIY, you know, f- f- fly fishing trip on the salt is, it could be a big thing. But, you know, today it's to show you that it's not necessarily as hard as, as you think to get out there if you have the money to do it. And obviously money is another kind of just factor that we're not really going to get that deep into because you can you can do it for pretty good price or you can pay a ton and go to like some really amazing place. So the money is just, you know, you're going to have to kind of figure that out, but the bare bones is flights and, you know, accommodations. If you're listening to this and you've got 15 grand burning a hole in your pocket, you know, just go to the Seychelles and take yeah. us with you. Mm-hmm. But, um, but We'd yeah, love this, to go. yeah, but this is uh yeah, I think that's just <laughs> perfect, man. Like it's all accessible. I think it's yeah. more accessible than people might think. And you know, I think, I feel like people from Ontario and Canada, they travel well. And yeah. sometimes we're trying to get a, get away from this winter that we all yes that we all share you know so you know yeah. what you know and the other thing is we get this question a lot in our yeah. uh, dms we get this question a lot in our emails so we thought hey why don't we this might be a fun way to kick off the year it's winter now it's january and we're just exactly let's see if you know we can get some introduce some people to the flats i mean yeah. definitely a bit of a disclaimer we are from toronto yeah it's a major metropolitan city within a major airport. It's really easy for us to fly places um, and, and most places direct. Um, but that's, that's you know, for you, it might be different. You know, don't be scared of a flight or, or, or heck, you know, like I know, I know a bunch of people that drive to Florida from Toronto and, yeah. and, and, you know, you could, you could potentially drive to the flats. That's the coolest totally. thing about North America is like, it's crazy. You could get in your car, pack it for a saltwater trip and just spend, you know, hours getting there, but you could drive from your driveway to a beach, <laughs> you know, like it's kind of wild. Yeah. It's really cool. So I think today we're going to bust it down in a, in a few like easy to digest steps in terms of like getting yourself there and kind of what to prep and pack for and like a bit of, you know, demystifying that as well. And then we're, you know, like, uh, like I said, we're, you know, like you said earlier, we're going to jump on with, uh, with our, uh, with a guide uh, yep. later, you'll hear from a guide later and then we'll, uh, uh, and he'll break down more of what you can expect on a guided day. And that's yeah. Captain David Dinsmore. So we'll hear from him a bit later. Yeah, I think which, first of all. Yeah. I mean, first, I mean like what, one thing to just, it, this, this will be kind of, yeah, DIY how to do it, but we definitely recommend uh, if you can do it, having at least one guy today, because you're just going to learn so much from that guy today and you'll have the best shot at fish, you know, obviously working with someone that, you know, knows that area and it's the job mm-hmm. is to take you out and go fishing. Mm-hmm. So highly recommend a guy today. It's not hundred percent necessary, but that's what we're going to talk to the guy later about what to expect on a guy today. DIYing it up. This is, uh, you know, a DIY kind of trip. And so, yeah, let's, let's jump into it. What's the first, I guess, thing here, you know, it's like, you think, oh man, you know, it'd be cool to do that. What, what's the first thing I got to do? I feel like these kind of work hand in hand in a way it's obviously your budget, where can I go and, 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 you know, where, what can I afford to do? Yeah. But in thinking, you know, what's my budget also, what do I want to fish for? Like there's some, you know, you can do the tropical flats thing where, you know, that's probably the most romanticized thing in fly fishing, which is like bonefish tarpon permit, you know, in the flats of, let's say Belize, uh, Mexico, Tobago, or, uh, you know, the Bahamas or Cuba, especially if you're Canadian, which Cuba's, is cool, you which know, is cool. It's such like the tropical place is such a different thing from our fisheries that it's uh, quite an experience and it's beautiful. You know? Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, or, you know, we've been to Texas a bunch for redfish, but it's certainly not the only place you can catch redfish. You can go to Carolina, you can go to Louisiana, you know, um, you know, do you want to do a flats trip, an inshore trip, or do you want to do a pelagic trip? Like something, you know, we've recently had a whole month about talking about billfish and and marlin on the fly. Like, you know, you can do the open water stuff too. So there's, there's really a lot now in terms of like gear and stuff that have unlocked a lot of fish. So I think for me, the first thing is like, what do I want to catch? Yeah. Or do I want to be put myself in a scenario where I can catch a few different things and and just kind of like learn and 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 be in a warm space? So you know, I think what we'll do is we'll probably talk about places we've been because at least we you know from that regard we have a little bit of I'm not going to say expertise but we have experience. <laughs> yes, experience exactly, and I think that's another thing that's valuable. Maybe maybe valuable about this is that yeah we're new to it too relatively. I mean, you've got much more experience than I. I've got like a few trips on the salt, so it's like. You know, we'll we'll kind of have that conversation. We'll be guided by our our not pro saltwater <laughs> thing, yeah, and kind of being new to it as well. But um, for today, like for the sake of today, why don't we say we're gonna go fishing in the Bahamas and specifically want to target like bonefish? That sounds good to me, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's <laughs> do a you want to go trip. right now? I kind of do. <laughs> like I know it's sunny out today, but like oh my god, oh my god, <laughs> it's so cold and wind. Oh, like just thinking about fishing in the bahamas right now for bonefish is oh my god ever so tantalizing um okay okay so we're gonna go fish for bonefish in the bahamas why don't we start which is with... something being you have both done so that's probably yes this is probably a good together yeah. <laughs> and was, it was a diy trip it was my first um like uh tropical fly fishing experience in long island bahamas uh and it was a kind of a diy style trip as well mm-hmm. um where we were just going with some friends to kind of find spots and and pull it apart a little bit. And obviously Long Island is a pretty cool spot because it's a, it's an Island, you know, in the Bahamas. And so it's just like very accessible. All the shores are, it's just one long skinny Island. You can drive the whole thing in a car and yep. stop and look at flats and say, you know, want to try that? want to try this. Um, and, uh, and there's apart from bonefish, of course, all kinds of other species too. So it's just like an exciting place to be because it's so tropical yeah. salt water, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, the Bahamas is a very accessible place too, in terms of flying there, like most flight, you know, most airlines fly to Nassau and then from Nassau, you can take, um, puddle jumpers to (laughs) these little, the smaller islands. What is it like Bahamas has like over 200 islands in the chain? (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Wow. That's insane. That's crazy. So it's like, you know, there's a lot to explore and, but uh, you know, for, again, for sake of this podcast, like what's step one, where do I want to go? What do I want to fish for? You know? And you know, we've landed on, Hey, we're going to go to the Bahamas. We're going to catch some bonefish. But the cool thing about Long Island, Mitch, yeah. is that it was a multi-species kind of thing. Like yeah, you, could, exactly. you can you can hit the beach for trigger fish and jacks and barracuda. And, yeah. you know, we even, you know, we were, we were, we had some spinning rods with us too for nighttime snapper fishing so that we could like so uh, cool. catch lunch. Which is also like, you know, maybe something you might want to try to do. Just like, sure, you can go fly fish all day. But then like when we come back at night, yeah, with like Mark and Dan and Roman and they had like spinning gear, we would just surf fish and mm-hmm. yeah, exactly catch dinner. You know, like pretty freaking fun. Sit on a rock and just look at the ocean and catch a snapper every once in a while. I mean, sounds good. Sounds great. So yeah, you've got your location. You know what you're kind of wanting to fish for. So then it's like, okay, well, how do I prep and what do I pack for? I would say I like step one being like, is there any kind of mm, water or um, some sort of like health concern? And what I mean by health concern is like, you know, if you go to Mexico, don't drink the water. Yeah. That's a very simple thing. There are shots you can take like Duke roll that'll, that'll, you know, because the last thing you want to do is literally shit yourself 
you want to meta- you want to metaphorically <laughs> shit yourself when you when see you when you see fish. a tarpon, you know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you don't want to actually, yeah, yeah, totally. You know, pull your pants. So, like, you know, look look into that. I mean, most government websites and travel websites, even the Canada website, is yeah. a good resource for. Um, you know, if there's any travel, like drink water advisories or whatever, just to figure out, you know, if you are like we were staying in an Airbnb, like we're, we were buying water and, and stuff like that. And just to say, it. I think that it's a good logical first step because I think that so. Yeah. Kind of Stock informs some Tylenol and things like yeah. that. Imodium, you know, like just get some stuff that, you know, when you're out and in the, you know, fishing or down visit when you're on your trip that something happens, you can you can kind of mitigate that. So, yeah, that's a great first step. And also know, kind of know what you're getting into when you go to the place. Yeah, so I, I'll say like so now that you've kind of like done a little bit of research, now it's time to start thinking about packing. Yeah. So not only like you know what what we pack, but what can you pack? And I often mm-hmm. get this question: Is hey, although even when I was at the fly shop, whatever, this question comes up very often. Um, am I allowed to bring rods on board the plane? And you one hundred percent definitely are, so long as they're a four piece rod. <laughs> yeah, not maybe not huge. your two piece. You know, yeah. your, old, your old school two piece, but like fish pond sage, they, you know, they, they, uh, they sell those awesome rod, um, you know, the rod cases and those are all measured specifically to fly with yeah. so that they fall into regulations for, um, carry on. Um, you know, a, another interesting thing to note, I looked up on the Canada travel website and the USTSA website, you actually are allowed to take hooks on because I thought you weren't and I kind of right. don't, yeah. but uh, a hook for Canada, it says hooks six centimeters or less. Okay. And then for the US, it says, it even says on the website, and we'll put these links in the show notes, but mm-hmm. um, it even says actually the, the verbiage used is small flies are okay to carry on, which is kind of right. interesting that they said that. Yeah, because it's sort of like, I don't know, uh, subjective maybe? Like that would be mm-hmm. the only worry I have. It's like, hey, if it, I mean, for me, I would probably. Yeah, like having done it before, what would yeah. you do now? I mean, I would probably check my flies just because like the last thing you want is to get stopped at the gate or at security and like, you know, they take your flies and then Mm -hmm. you just don't, you know, worst case, you know, you check them and maybe you lose a bag for a few days, but what's worse is losing them completely. So I don't know, but with this new, with this rule and like, I didn't know about this either, like this idea of small flies being okay, I would definitely look into that more and create maybe a little... Um, go box go box for my travel like my uh, carry-on luggage so i know i have my rods i've got like uh my small box of flies so if i do lose my flies i'm covered i can still fish uh but those flies are all you know obviously like uh allowed in terms of the size um i think that makes the most sense but then check you know the bigger thing of flies so that you you know you have more when you're down there because totally not necessarily well there's definitely not like fly shops um just around everywhere for you to go get flies right so (laughs) definitely not yeah yeah and i think that brings up a really good thing like i think i carry i try to carry on and like obviously we're always bringing cameras so we'll take the cameras out of the equation for now but like if i you know in an ideal world i try to carry on everything i can't yeah deal without so like i'm obviously taking on the rods and the reels and it's happened to us where i checked the rods and reels once the one and only time i did they didn't show up or they were a day late, which is like, you know, you've paid a lot of money. You've probably saved up for this trip. You're looking forward to it. You want to be able to fish. Yeah. So bring your rods on board for sure. Bring the the rods on board. And I always pack like one set of clothing, maybe even two, because you know, um, the stuff's pretty lightweight that you can fish with. And so that you, at least, you know, you can go out on the water with. So like I carry everything on that. I know that I'm going to be using so that 
you know, it doesn't get lost and I can, um, I'm not saying airlines lose baggage very frequently, but it happens, you know, and that's it yeah, like happen. a trip ruiner, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, um, so yeah, I mean, look, do some research on what, what flies you can bring on the plane and definitely try, but then check, check other stuff and then bring your rods on the plane <laughs> because, you know, plus they yeah. could, you know, you never know too. Like, I mean, a rod could get smushed or something in a bag, like, you know, like the, 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 the uh, luggage transport on planes isn't necessarily like a delicate process all the time, right? So like, I don't know. <laughs> you have this really prized rod. Like, I don't know. I would feel weird checking it, you know? You know what else I do? Because this always happens is, is you know, they've they've reconfigured planes to like fit as many human beings as human, like as yes. possible. And, you Sardines. Know, so, you know, for someone like Adis, that sucks. But we, we, we're, we're short guys, so it doesn't really bother us that we're much. Good. But, but, you know, they tend to always need people to volunteer to gate check things. Yeah. Which, you know yeah. what? I don't mind that at all. Gate check's so you great. Sh- usually, usually, and it's always free. Yeah. They're always like, oh, we, we won't charge you. And you're just like, yeah. you just put, you just give it to them. And I love gate And then it's waiting stuff. for you the second you step off the plane. Like, I'll gate, I'll gate, I, gate check yeah. doesn't bother me. If it's a pain to bring it on board and throw it above. The thing. I mean, there's like general travel stuff. I like gate checking too, because it's like yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. But, Fishing stuff, then you're covered for that. Generally speaking, you know, and we could talk a little bit more about like specific fishing stuff we would bring in our for sure in our arsenal. But um, what about like clothing? You know, like where do you mm. start with like you know the actual like because the thing is like clo- we say clothing, but like no, like when you're saltwater fishing, like that's part of your gear. <laughs> you need like yeah to make sure you're protected from the sun and and what are you wading in and like totally. There's just a lot of variables to that as well. So I think obviously you know like off the top you can go saltwater fishing in a, in cold places, but for, you know, the, you know, like, like striper fishing or, yep. or something like that. But, uh, you know, I think even with cold, the mm-hmm. main thing is sun. You're going to be out in <clears throat> the sun, you know, and for argument's sake, remember me and Mitch are going to the Bahamas, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the sun, the sun is our major concern when we're, when we're fishing. So my personal thing that yep. I've kind of got down now is from toe I, to chapeau. How do you do it? From toe to chapeau? Yeah. Okay, so obviously I, I always have a cap. I'm yeah. a, I, I like um I like a, a just a baseball like a ball cap. A ball yeah. cap. Um obviously I'm wearing this awesome corduroy chums one. Probably a little heavy for for the salt. Um so I yeah. like these lightweight ones. And if you're watching on YouTube, um I've got a a, a Reddington dry kind of a, yep. a drier, lighter fit ventilated hat in my hand. Yeah. Um those are awesome. Um Sunglasses are a huge thing. Uh, Massive. You have to spot these fish, especially if you're bone fishing. Um, you know, you have to judge your distance, and, you, and spotting them is is key. So, yeah. um, I try to I bring two like techie pairs of of sunglasses, and I bring like a, a fun pair, like you're wearing, Mitch, like your Sullivan's. Um, yep. But for the flats, anyway, I've got the green mirrors. I think those work really well for me. Um, they're also really great for the rivers up here. But green mirrors yep. are copper and amber lenses and what they do is they really um you know allow you to 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 cut to, through that glare cut through that glare in inshore scenarios so shallow yeah. water scenarios and then i have my low light sunrise silver mirror glasses yeah, cloudy. so for cloudy days and at the beginning at the end of the days and, and what they do is they're kind of right. like a highlight lens so not only are they polarized but they actually like boost up all the and it's the, pretty crazy how well they oh were, yeah were, i was skeptical i'm not gonna lie oh man <laughs> I actually got, I actually use them for driving sometimes when it's dark because it just, everything's brighter, you know? So it's like, it is, it is pretty, it is pretty rad, but yeah. sunglasses, like most of this type of fishing that 
that I mean, all, all the saltwater fishing that I've done has been very visual. Like you're, you're Red spotting shaling fish. fish, you're spotting literal cruising fish underwater. You're spotting nervous water, like mm-hmm. just moving water. So, you know, there's maybe a fish mm-hmm. under there, like you're spotting things. So you have to see, it's not like, you know, maybe fishing up here where we can just kind of go to a waterfall and start casting. It's not like that. It's very visual. So yeah, sunglasses it, are key for sure. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like you're, it's kind of like you're fishing with your eyes more than your rod. Cause you're, you're, you're kind of rarely casting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, you're, you're hunting. prospecting and you're hunting with your eyeballs. You're not, yeah. you're not pitching casts into the, a deep dark lake, you know, or like a river that you can't see the bottom of. Totally. So yeah, then, um, I your love. Your head's good. You got your chums on. I got my chums on so the things don't fall off. Um, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I Do think. Do you wear a buff? Do you go buff from there? So I've really liked these hooded sweat yeah. shirts i i really like them when they have the thumb holes because it covers mm-hmm. my hand i don't mm-hmm. like wearing gloves although sun gloves definitely That's a thing true. i never but thought what about I love, the thumb hole but what i love about the thumb hole is especially when i'm just prospecting and i haven't spotted anything yet yeah it keeps my hands from burning yeah i mean obviously you cannot wear enough sunscreen everybody <laughs> yeah. yeah but anyway um like you know lather yourself up reapply i really recommend those like deodorant stick style um mm-hmm things to keep in your bag because then you can just quickly, you know, um, rub it on your too. face and, 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 and your nose without creaming up your hands. And, and yeah. you definitely want creamy, sticky hands. You, don't be handling your, stuff. you also don't want to be handling your flies because no. it leaves a scent on, it could potentially ruin a shot, a residue, especially at a yeah. permit. Yeah. Uh, Cause they have such good, uh, um, sense of smell. But anyway, I really the like tips. these hooded technical shirts. I'm wearing a Costa one right now. Uh, you know, I, I keep the hood on all day as opposed to a buff and why I like that is that I find that like it protects me from the sun, but I also get airflow going and it keeps me relatively yeah. cooler. I find sometimes when I'm in the buff, it's I'm like it's strapped so tight it's so to my tight. face that yeah. it's just like hot. Yep. But I know like Nick uh, Kennedy, you know, our good buddy Nick, he, yeah. he he always fishes with a buff because heeah. he's got that delicate Irish skin. <laughs> right, yeah. So, so he he's like, I, I, he's like, he lathers up and he puts yeah. a buff and he puts a sun shirt on and he wears gloves. Yeah. Like he is like, Cold. Well, that's, I mean, this is the thing like, you know, uh, sun fishing gear has come a long way. Like these technical shirts are really impressive and they do protect you from the sun. And yeah, the hood thing is cool. Cause you can take it on and off. So mm-hmm. I actually might start with getting more into the hood shirts. I just, you know, what do you never... do currently? Well, well, what about your pants and your boots? I'd love to oh, know true. that. My bad. I've, I, I go two ways with pants. Um, when I'm walking the flats, I really like, uh, I really like a bathing suit and leggings Yeah. or a bathing suit and like, um, knee like almost knee thigh high like socks or like three-quarter yeah. legging kind of things um and i just find like the first time i ever went i had these like patagonia pants and they were great and they were quick mm-hmm. dry and all this stuff but there's a loose fitting that when you're walking yeah. through the flats it's just a kind of like a literally sale. a drag yeah 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 and I know I was just like, uh, I know there's this one customer at drift that always that also always said it spooks fish uh, maybe i believe that mm-hmm. He catches a lot of permits, so maybe there but is. It still just too. feels like so much material that's wet and everything. Like that's mm-hmm. what I found because I kind of mm-hmm. had that going. So the the shorts, the swimsuits, like so you have pockets and then the leggings to protect you from the sun. That's right. And then down to your boots. And then down to my boots, I wear um, I wear flats boots for sure, like the hard yeah. bottom. Uh, there's those neoprene style, like almost like water shoes that you yeah. can, you know you slide on. Yeah. Uh, those are good too. Um, I just find that if you're going to be walking a lot and in a DIY scenario, it probably means. You're walking a lot, yeah. You're walking a lot. So I just find those are a little bit more comfy because they're almost like sneakers, you know, and and, and the hard yeah. bottom is important because 
you do walk on sharp coral and yep. seashells and you know, God forbid you step on a sea urchin like or, with, without or, one of them. <laughs> or, or even like a ray, potentially, maybe it just offers a bit more protection, but at least it's a peace of mind too. You're walking around the ocean, you know, you've got nice solid base on your ankles and your feet. I think it's super important. Um, yeah, and definitely yeah. wear socks in the, and there's like, uh, there's yeah. wet waiting, they, they make wet waiting socks. I would definitely wear socks because you're yeah. going to, sand is going to enter these boots no matter yeah. what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So exactly. it's nice to keep the sand away from your, because um, what it'll do is it'll, cha- it'll chafe. Mm-hmm. And then once it, once it starts to chafe, man. Yeah. Then you get little blisters, and then the yeah. blisters in the salt water is no fun. <laughs> oh, exactly. Another way to just kind of ruin the trip and not want to. Mm-hmm. do it again so yeah i think honestly my i've kind of just gone back and forth on what the heck my setup is for salt i haven't done it enough to really hone in right but i think i'm gonna next time i go out do basically exactly what you just said um in the past i've done stuff like uh, i always wear a ball cap i've done the buff thing obviously got my glasses on trying to sunscreen as much as i can but forget all the time and inevitably turn into a little tomato and then uh, <laughs> I've done stuff like, an, you know, a Hawaiian shirt, um, T-shirts and stuff. And it, it, first of all, it's like the T-shirt thing can be really hot. And that's like you do really get hot, you know. Oh, um, you over, like it's really easy to, like heat stroke yeah. is definitely a, a major concern. It's a big so. thing. Yeah. At least so you like, will- on the Bahamas trip like we're talking about. Um, so I've done that. And then, you know, I've, I've done like the kind of drying pants. But again, it's so much material that gets wet and kind of just feels weird and I don't like that. And now the boots thing I've, I've figured out, even though I do think that I would prefer a thicker wading boot with a sock. Uh, cause right now I've got the Sims kind of like neoprene boots, which have a really mm-hmm. hard sole and they're sweet, but, um, I don't know. I, I feel like if I was going to really walk and wade purely like that for days and days, like yeah. just get something you strap on your feet for eight hours and go fishing. Like these booties are a bit more scuba boots, so you can kind of take them off fast and stuff, which might be good if you're in and out of a boat. But um, I think like pure waiting, I would rather a sock and a thick boot, mm. you know? Yeah. I mean, like to each their own, I know a lot of guys that like those little booties too, but. Um, well, Dotson put me onto them. He's like, man, they're sick. Like I love them. And so I was yeah. like, sweet. And they are, they're dope. I like them a lot, but. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm the sneaker yeah. style guy. I like that. I like but that I don't style. really wear a sock with the neoprene boot. So I did get sand in my boot in the Bahamas. That's annoying. It's super, it's just like literally little rocks grinding against your foot for six hours, you know, like it's not a great thing. <laughs> and you're sucks. sort of just like, whatever, you know, because you also, well, in my case, have a sunburn and then, you know, probably, you know, indigestion problems. And <laughs> so, yeah, you got to uh, yeah. think about your comfort. And, it, it, you know, I don't know if this might be obvious to lots of people listening, but it wasn't to me. And I was Googling lots of stuff like, what the hell do I wear on the flats to like have a good day? Because it's not like up here, you know? Um no, so yeah, that's kind of the clothes setup, I would say. Um, yeah, and then from a bag, I've I've definitely I'm I'm I'm. Well, I mean, when we we're bringing camera stuff, so this is a consideration yeah. for me. I'm I I like a backpack. I feel like the weight's more centered, and like I you know what yeah. I mean. Like I feel sometimes with the sling packs, you're like on one shoulder or something. Um, my little like the fish pond thunderhead, like the waist pack. Some like sometimes I'll like if I'm. If I'm trying to fish and shoot and carry a lot of stuff, I'll actually right. wear both. Yeah. So I'll put the backpack on, then I'll have the waist pack in front of me, like on my gut. Yeah. And then I have all my fishing stuff um in in my waist pack and all the camera stuff and like my a water. Yeah. Definitely need like bring lots of water. Bring two water bottles full. Yeah. Two get, liters. Bring down you have you definitely should bring down like a, a reasonable water bottle, like a you know, like a, a yeti. Camel or, pack. Or, Just get a little camel pack, eh? That I mean, too. Maybe some cool thing you can do like that. 
Yeah. But a backpack for sure. Cause you might, you know, be going up deeper than a waste pack sometimes, or if you're exploring, you know, so a backpack just kind of keeps everything lots of space. It's generally comfortable and it stays out of the water. So, uh, but you know, you probably want a dry backpack, but even still, that's the only thing you say you're pack, going backpack. You know? Cause you were doing waste pack last time. I, I, I would do if I was by myself, you know, like, I mean, I look over at, at you and your Sherpa and like a lot of our stuff, brothers. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> but if I was by no myself and, and next time I probably would put a backpack on because it's just the easiest thing. I think the most comfortable thing. Waste packs are cool. But first of all, if you're going in and out of the water and then also like, I don't know, there's something about them that just feels like kind of a pain, like a backpack you can throw on and you don't even have to fuss with it. I will say this about the waste pack in the, on your gut. Mm. Make sure you're clear in your line if you actually do catch a fish. Right. I've lost a I've I lost a, a bonefish once because it started to run, and I wasn't managing my line very well. Yeah. And it wrapped Locked around up. it around, wrapped around like one of the things hanging off. Um, oh man. I think one of the, like the zipper pull hanging off the bag, and then just like the line stopped. The yeah. and then the leader snapped, and I lost yeah. a fish. And that sucks. <laughs> yeah. So definitely be mindful if you are going to do with that backpack and then gut setup, which I actually do find really hang- handy. Don't hang anything off of it. No. <laughs> Don't hang anything off of it. Just no. just like just try and stay as slim as possible. I know that's another reason these sun shirts have become really popular. Because yeah. like um, I've heard some people come back from drifting like, oh man, it's an awesome trip. But I was wearing a button up shirt and the fucking line got caught in the button. And oh, right. And I'm like, yeah. that might be a little bit extreme. But I mean, yeah, it does yeah. happen. Sure. Um, you know, they do make great button up shirts and actually I noticed Sims in Patagonia, they've changed to a snap button. So I think to try and that's cool. Um, alleviate that problem because I think people do like the button up shirts for sure. I actually like the button up shirts because the, um, just the material feels right on me. And also the airflow is really pretty nice. Good. Dude, you look pretty good. Too. Like I feel like I kind of look like a, like an archeologist or something, you know? <laughs> I've got the you were rocking that up. one in Texas. You were rocking that one in Texas. You oh, good. that one. Yeah. See, that stuff's too techy. I haven't found my footing. You know, I look different every fishing trip. It's like, what, <laughs> like nobody knows my deal is because like at one time I look like an IT guy, and the next time I look like, uh, <laughs> you know, like one of these like fly fusion egglers, and I'm just the, like when we were with Benny Blanco, you looked like a drug runner. <laughs> I looked like a drug runner, and yeah, I had like this crazy fear and loathing friggin' shirt on, and it's like Benny's probably like, what? What is this guy's? This guy does not know how to cast <laughs> you know like so i gotta figure i gotta hone hey man you jump three tarpon uh, <laughs> i know I, that's what i'm talking about baby so but i gotta hone into my my thing and i think honestly your setup i really like because it's just like easy smooth um efficient comfortable i think that's all the keys to this is like you know what you wear is really actually gonna like have a big impact on your day and and try to make it just that comfortable efficient um and you know looking looking good enough that you don't feel like a crazy person. <laughs> I've also I had guess. it too. Like, um, you know, and I will say definitely for sure, just, just you get a submersible pack. Like that's yeah. some, maybe something we didn't mention. Waterproof, watertight. Definitely, definitely, definitely. You're going to get wet um, yeah. for sure. And also always pack a rain jacket. Yeah. It's it, you, the, we don't really weather understand weather weather patterns, you know, in the ocean, like, you know, a seasoned guide does. And I know every guide is like, I never leave the boat ramp without yeah. it. Even on the most immaculate sunny day. It's just like, bring a, bring a packable rain jacket and put it in your, toss in your bag for sure. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, like when we were in Miami, you know, like 
remember the, the the weather changed like crazy. It was super windy that day, so it was just like systems moving in and out. Mm-hmm. We got soaked, you know. <laughs> it's but like, then it was sunny, and then it was and like then it's sunny, yeah, yeah. And it's like whoa, whoa. What's Without a rain jacket, you'd be like miserable, you know. So yeah, yeah rain jackets obviously very because even in the tropics, like I know it sounds insane. After you get wet, you can still get pretty cold, especially yeah. if you've been like nothing but hot, really, really hot all day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. No, no, it's true. So, I mean, all to say like the, you know, sweat that stuff and, and, uh, and do some more research on the kind of gear that might be suited, suitable for you. But yeah, I think, um, yeah, like we obviously wear like Reddington and Costa Sun shirts and, um, and, uh, and those types of things and they're, they're wicked, really good pieces of gear. Yeah, and like I mean, we obviously we're big fans of chums, um, yes. but like they they have these awesome like you know waterproof phone cases, and yeah. I know that you know iPhones are waterproof these days, but salt water is a different beast. And they also like, float; wa- these cases float too. That's know? true. That's right. So if you drop some, you can keep them. They have a lanyard; you can keep them, and and you know, I'd look into little like stuff like that too to keep your non fishing. Yeah. you know um important gear like maybe you're uh, something to keep your passport and your wallet in you know yeah. just well, trying to stay dry because everything's wet when you're waiting just and that's another good thing too <laughs> it's like yeah think about all the little packs you know like to hold your phone is a good one because you take your phone out to take a picture of a fish and like I've, we've literally seen it happen with joe in texas like he was filming chloe reeling in a redfish and he lost control of his phone and it fell into the ocean and then luckily they're only in like three feet of water so the, it, you see the phone float down. It was recording the whole time. It's so sick. You see the phone float down, <laughs> it was and funny. then and then like ten seconds later, you see Joe's hand come and like pick it up and pull it out. But um, you know, if you were if you were in a flat that was maybe up to your waist with really fine sand, that phone could just like into the thing, and it's like, see you yeah. later. Yeah. So this type of stuff's good to think about. All the little details are gonna like really make the trip. I think that's what what it is for sure. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of interrupted you there. I. Don't know. Um, I I was saying, I think that's the main thing, aside from obviously learning how to fish, which of course, like you said, is another whole other podcast. But mm-hmm. what the, what I learned from trip one to now is like, yeah, just all these weird little things that you don't really think about because you're so focused. You're trying to like think about everything that you're yeah. just like, you, you, these things tend to slip, the little the little small things. The deets, the little deets, but the deets. Little deets, buddy. That's what makes it great. Uh, you know, bring yourself it makes a snack. Everything. <laughs> yeah, bring yourself a little snack. Keeps so, it, because, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, I mean, you're walking all day. You're burning cows. Oh, you're like you bring, some, bring bring something to eat. Bring bring a snack and yeah. and you know Ziploc bags. Your Tupperware is your best friend. Again, oh yeah, keeps things dry. <laughs> keeps things high. So before we get into the guide interview, where we're gonna ask um, yeah. our guide, you know, what to expect on a guided day. Uh, so let's say, yeah, we've we've we're going down for some DIY, but we have a guide for the day. He's gonna tell us sort of all the things you can expect there, how to prep, but maybe just like some bullets on just a few tips for fishing. So like you've got sure. all your gear, you're actually there now. What are just some light sort of, you know, kind of all encompassing saltwatery things we've learned? Sure. I mean, yeah, let's stick with the Long Island thing. Cause yeah. that was very DIY. Um, you know, from a fishing gear standpoint, like I try to, you know, make sure that your gear is all an- like anodized steel, yep. uh, stainless steel rusts. Um, I learned that the hard way with Quickly. Leatherman. <laughs> yeah. So now, I mean, you know, you don't have to spend this kind of money, but Mitch and Yilma bought me this amazing pair of hatch pliers. Yeah. Um, and it's all, they're also kind of a multi-tool. They have like snips on them. We also have our able nippers, um, 
that uh, are saltwater rated. I always have a hook hone on me for sharpening hooks, especially if you start fishing for jacks or barracuda yep. or something or eat tarpon. Doesn't matter what it is, really. Well, so a much really coral sh- and everything else. A really know? sharp hook is is really necessary to dr- to drive some of these, these. Last thing you want is a permit to take you fly, and the hook's just a little too dull for that thing to get. You know. Yeah, true that. And then Can you imagine. <laughs> That being the reason, that would be so whack. <laughs> yeah, it would be my whack. My hook was too dull. Like, oh my god. Yeah. So check your hooks for sure before you start fishing. They definitely don't. You don't. There's some days where you know I've caught run up on bonefish schools, and it's like the easiest day. There's other days where I've caught one bonefish, or even had just one shot at one. So yeah. you want to make sure you're prepped for that one shot if that's all you get. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, so you've got all that gear. Um, you know, if I'm saying it's our trip to, you know, the, the Bahamas, we were in a multi-species situation. situation. Yeah. Um, you don't have to break the bank, I don't think, on gear anymore. I think, you know, like um, when I was start when we were working at fly shops in our teens, like when you cheaped out on gear, it was actually kind of shitty. Yeah. Um, but now, it's, you know, tech and gear is so good. Like this Reddington Field Kit is a nine-foot eight-weight, and like you say, Mitch, it's all you need, baby. <laughs> potentially, honestly, potentially in the salt, like it's, I mean, it's a great start, you know, like it's a there great are start. other rods that can help do things, but. Mm-hmm. I, th- I you, find it casts really well and, it's great, you know, yeah, it's great it comes with a behemoth and the behemoths are salt rated. I will say they are cast and not machined aluminum. So yeah. they're a little bit more delicate. And, um, but anyway, um, you know, I, I have taken to really loving these grandes. Um, that are sick. Yeah, those are dope. That's a great, you know, but anything you get, and especially if you're shopping, I said, always said this to people shopping in, uh, at mm-hmm. Drift when I worked there, you never know. You might end up on the flats. So the next time you're buying an eight weight or yeah. a nine or a 10, because we do a lot of pike fishing up here, people are buying these big game oh, yeah. rods. Yeah. Maybe you spend a little bit more money on a reel that's, you know, like a, you know, like salt worthy, like a salt worthy reel, whether it's a Sage and Abel or, you know, our, we have, we love our Reddington stuff, obviously, but like the Grandes. Cause then wouldn't it be great to not have to buy another reel and take that money and spend it on a guide? Yeah, exactly. Or a couple of nights out at the bar. Hey, the old baby, beach bar. A hey, yeah. couple of daiquiris on the beach. hundred percent. Why not? Cause it's not like the salt reel is not going to work on fresh. And no, now you've got I mean. a reel that works in both places, you know, and big time. Yeah. Good tip. So I think, I think there's two things, you know, what we did in Long Island, which was like, we walked a beach break and we walked flats. So like yeah. when you're walking a beach break, I think, I think, or either, or, um, are we talking about, you're saying do fish tips? We do yeah, a just bit a, of fish any tips. kind of like hot top highlights of like common things, you know, like for sure how to spot fish or the first time you roll up on a flat, what do you do? You know, generally speaking. I think the first thing you do when you roll up on a flat is just make sure, like, make sure you can c- control what you can control. And for me, that means like your line distance and, yeah. and your personal shit. So it's like, Okay, we're on a bonefish flat. I've picked my fly, you know. Um, I I I tend to really like Prince's fly, the Sweet Island Girl. It's caught me a lot of fish. So let's just say I'm tying that on. <laughs> in the Bahamas, specifically, yeah. bonefish flies in Florida are way different. But anyway, yeah. see what I mean? I could just talk forever about this. I know, no, I know. But like, uh, so let's just, you know, we're there. P- peel off the line that you're comfortable casting. Yeah. Don't peel off 90 feet of line. Uh, and if everybody hops over, and I'll put this in the show notes, but Gene, the, at the Gene Bug, has a great tip for marking your fly line yeah. so you understand how far you are. Because we don't really do that up here. We're not no. like 40 feet, you know, 10 o'clock, <laughs> no. moving left to right. 
No. Maybe when we're pike fishing in Esnagami. Maybe, but you know, we can we figure that out. It's not like this is the only way, basically, when you're in the exactly. salt, is to do it this way. Yeah. So I think like marking off your fly line is great because it's a good visual indicator of um, you know, uh how how your distance. And yeah. um, you know, it should be go should go without saying before you go, practice your double haul. You're gonna be casting in the wind. Yes. You're all you're very rarely you're gonna have a windless scenario. Drift, and I'm sure a lot of other fly shops, um, you know, they, they offer tune-ups for the salt and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, you know, whether, wherever you are in the world, like, see, if your, see if your fly shop will just give you a little couple pointers on the double haul. Or just practice, you know, yep. like anything you can do because the wind is, it can be bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if it's a windy day, you don't want to just be like, well, I'm not going to fish because it's like, that's literally why you're there. So make the most of it, you know, Big get time. some practice in before, yeah. And then yeah, I would do. I would just like if I when I roll up onto the flat, first thing I do is I take off as much line as I'm I'm comfortable. comfortable. I make sure that like I know where my line is, and I've got my fly in my non-casting hand and my and my rod in the other hand, and and I let the line just trail behind me, kind of thing. And um, the hunt begins. And then the hunt begins, and I just think just like go slow. And what you're trying to look for, without getting into too much fishing yeah. detail is you are looking for nervous water and what that is is like water moving you know when you're a kid and you're like you had your your legs kicking in the pool and you would yeah. like kick underwater and you Make would swirl at the top and swirlies yeah. well when bonefish let's just say we're fishing for bonefish you know mm-hmm. when they're feeding under the surface they're you know creating a disturbance just based off of them foraging right so mm-hmm. sometimes you can spot mud slicks and that's usually like a group of bonefish like kicking up Yep. Just like carp do, they they'll kick up a bunch of mud foraging for trimpies. Yeah, ready. Redfish yeah, do, the do the same. Yeah. Um, so that's a good visual indicator. But uh, yeah, um, it'll always go contrary to the current. Yeah. Or whatever kind of wind is happening on the water. Like you. But can, then if it's if it's shallow enough, you'll see tails. You know, their little tails yeah. might be hitting out of the water as they kind of bury their nose into the ground looking for shrimp. Which might and, be the greatest thing on earth. Seeing a bonefish tail and you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. Because you like, know where its head is and you try to set up that <laughs> shot. And like, I think you said this before, it's just like, don't freak out. Take your time. Pause. Think about what you're going to do. Set yourself up. Because that fish is feeding. They're happy. They're not going anywhere. You know, the worst thing you can do is panic and make a bad shot, and then that fish is gone. You know, at least you know you've got you've got a window here. So think about what that fish is doing, where their head is, how you can cast to them to lead them versus like cast on them and freak them out. Like, um, you know, but that's again, this gets into like all the, the technicalities of it. Um, but yeah, I think I think that uh, that in terms of waiting are, are good tips. I feel like on the boat, there's a couple good ones, and this is maybe a good segue into our guide, but. The take your shoes off thing, you know, like when you're on mm-hmm. the bow stripping so you can feel line under your feet and you know you're not stepping on your line if you hook a fish or if you're casting. That was like, it's such an obvious thing, but I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of good fly fishing tips are obvious and you just don't think about them until someone's like, take your shoes off. You're like, oh, right, of course I should do that, you know? Totally. Um, and then, um, yeah, if you're sharing the boat with a buddy, come up with a system for, you know, who gets that next shot. Uh, it's important if you don't know the the other person you're fishing with so that, you know, you have an amicable day on the water, but uh but, you know, it's always good, good point, to dude. have that. Yeah, it's always good to have that kind of like... Because okay. sometimes it's not fish for fish. Yes. That, what a perfect world that would be. Oh, but, be you know, like that's... Sometimes, you know, you have like case. an hour of casting. It's like, all right, that didn't happen. I'm just going to sit back now and let someone else come up here. But even for me, it's like even just seeing some action um, is exciting. I don't even necessarily need to be one catching it. Except for when there's pods of tarpon. I do. Um, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but that's what I would I would say like control you can control if you and if you're watching yeah. walking a beach break like um those are kind of son of kind of scenarios sometimes where the water is going to be deeper at some points and I always like I'm always pitching cast at reefs mm-hmm. uh, again um it might not be that bone fisher permit you want but yeah. I promise you catching a jack or a snapper on an eight weight is pretty friggin fun. Oh, no, and then sure, I always yeah. carry a second rod, um, just yeah. in case I, you do in- encounter for me specifically a barracuda. Yeah. So like I'll have an eight weight and a ten, yeah. or an eight weight and a man. So you can like have a shot at that. To get fish. a shot with a steel leader and yeah. just just to see if you know it's if totally. something bigger does roll around. It's kind of fun to cast. I mean, like I know Mark after we left, um, yeah. after we left Long Island, he just he just fished the beach every day because he was just started catching everything. Yeah. He was catch he caught like kind of trigger tr- trigger fish barracuda. Jacks, snappers. I think he even landed a shark or he two. He landed a shark. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, that's yeah. the stuff. and released it. I think that's the fun thing about saltwater is like, yeah. I think we get caught up so much in talking about bonefish and permit because they're amazing fish and they're yeah. these amazing species of fish that you know yeah. we can fly fish for easily. But if you're on a DIY trip, you've never done it before. Like, it's oh really really cool to just like, it's really cool to catch fish. I don't know another way of putting that. And every time, but those fish too, like, uh, dude, and, like, and you pull them up and you're just like, I've never seen colors like this. Like yeah. a blue runner. Yeah, beautiful. It's the craziest color of blue. Yeah, and it's like sure, it's not like your target species, but like yeah, if you're walking a beach break, like which what we did the first time we went to Mexico, in south of Tulum, you know, we were looking for those. You know, we were looking kind of for anything, and we're like kind of signs of life. And same thing, we're looking for bait and fish following bait and nervous water, and some and and sometimes we could just spot snook like they're huge the ones that we were seeing. So sometimes you get to see them. And so the That's beach, cool. the beach break thing can offer a lot of different types of scenarios. I think anyway, yeah. because like it, you know, all of a sudden it could drop off to like 10 feet and yeah. you know, that's usually probably a fun place to, if you wanted to do the prospecting thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to like waiting around to spot something, that's a place where you could do it because. Well, and if you're, and I guess one, one, one last thing too, is if you're really new to it, like myself, you know uh, it is good to be cognizant of, the nature around you and how to, you know, exist in it, uh, without, you know, causing any damage, but also watch out for, um, you know, how you behave in that ecosystem in terms of any other predators, right? Like two things I learned, one, shuffle your feet when you walk. So if there is a stingray kind of near you, it'll feel you coming and it'll scoot off versus stepping, which, you know, uh, you could step on it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's one thing I learned. I was like, oh, right. That makes sense. Shuffle around because, you know, you want to just allow, uh, stingrays to kind of move on. And the other thing is (laughs) if sharks are around, just don't start thrashing in the water and freaking out <laughs> because they're probably lemons from what I know. They are, you know, they're not going to do anything. Um, maybe sometimes they get a little inquisitive, inquisitive and come over and Which is certainly intimidating. Out, which is definitely intimidating, kind of freaky, but don't let that get to you. It got to me and I started like running around and all those like, stop moving. Because <laughs> remember, like uh, I've told this story in the cast before, but I hooked a fish when we were in quite a, deep flat because we were just exploring and maybe that wasn't the best spot for us to be fishing, but we were exploring, you know, and, uh, cause it was just hard waiting, you know? So it was, it was like waist deep. deep and we're like surrounded yeah. by mangroves. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty, it was, was kind of gnarly, gnarly. <laughs> but I catch a fish and then a barracuda eats it right away. And it's just like <laughs> blood in the water. I'm like, Whoa, that was my first experience hooking anything in tropical water. I was like, okay. Mm. And then the blood's kind of going in the water, and then sharks just start coming at the thing. And then they start, kind of going past the blood and just coming at us and i'm like i'm, I'm, out, I'm out of here i'm gotten and also like, don't run so and you know the sharks just kind of like walk around you slowly walk out it's fine but 
yeah, be cognizant of these things, research these things and just, you know, try to try to yeah. you're you're in the you're in this you're in the ocean, you know, and it's like it's home totally. to these things. So just, you know, be respectful. Totally. And um, I think another good thing about that's another reason why hiring guides is great. And yeah. like what we're not going to touch on, but maybe we can touch on with um with Captain uh, David Dinsmore is, you know, we can maybe talk a little bit about tides because that's super important, but it's not something I really understand, so I don't really want to get too yeah. too much into it, but I I think if you can and if there are guides even a half day is going to be invaluable to setting up a really, really awesome DIY trip. hundred percent. You're going to learn so much and you're going to have so much fun. So, oh, you're going to have so much fun. Oh, let's switch over and hear from, from our guide now about, about a day on the water. And, um, yeah, we hope you enjoy. David Dinsmore is a flats fishing guy based in Alamorada, Florida, former platform diver from Team USA and the University of Miami men's diving team. Originally from Columbus, Ohio, David was recruited to the University of Miami to join their men's diving program and was introduced to the Everglades National Park, Biscayne Bay, and the Florida Keys while attending UM. Now, he was introduced to saltwater fly fishing in his sophomore year of college and was completely hooked. Once his career as an athlete ended, he bought a boat and headed south to Almorada to start working towards a new career as a flats fishing guide in the Florida Keys. He's now entering his third year in the Keys and his first full season as a full-time fly fishing guide. But today's on SoFly. David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. Really appreciate you uh, yeah, taking some time just to chat about, um, you know, I guess what people can expect on their first saltwater fly fishing guided day. Um, because, you know, we've been doing this whole episode here talking about just how to get into it from a beginner standpoint and, and what to expect, I guess, you know, cause it can be kind of daunting for people that have never done it. So, uh, yeah, stoked we get to chat. Yeah, man. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. And definitely like a cool path into fly fishing, like platform diving into into yeah. guiding like that sounds pretty rad <laughs> yeah kind of stumbled into it um in college you know um i you know fish growing up and then um you know i had a fly rod and messed around with it a little bit in ohio and then um you know saw you know all the yeti films and you know learned about bone fishing on fly and you know once i kind of saw what saltwater fly fishing was and i was just infatuated with it couldn't get enough yeah, it's I like definitely a, you're, understand that. <laughs> heck of a place to do it as well. You know, the Keys has got to have a ton of fly fishing opportunities, right? <laughs> yeah, plenty. Yeah, man. Definitely no, plenty. Cool. I mean, yeah, we we fished South Florida, like Mitchie and I last year, but we didn't make yeah. it far down to the Keys. We did the Glades and Biscayne Bay, which is really cool too. But um, obviously, the Keys, you know, not that you can't access those places from the Keys, but it, the Keys is pretty awesome. Pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah, and we'll definitely want to one day do a whole episode just about your guiding career and, and maybe get even more specific down into like where you, where you guide and what people, you know, what the fishing's like. But but today, let's talk a little bit, uh, you know, about um, what people can expect on a guided day. So maybe we just start with like, um, you know, how, how can people find a good fly fishing guide? Like what are, what are some ways that they can do that? What are tools that exist out there? You know, if they're going to some place, um, Instagram, a good place to do it or just Google or yeah, Instagram, Google. Um, I always stay, um, you know, your local fly shops too, like, especially down here in the keys, you know, we have the Florida keys outfitters in Isla Mirada, And then we also have the angling company and the saltwater angler, um, in Key West and then the seven mile fly shop, um, and marathon. So generally all the fly shops in the keys, you know, have a good list of guides yeah. that, you know, they all recommend, um, all top notch. So, you know, always start with the fly shop. And then from there, um, you know, Google search, um, Instagram as well. Um, you know, a lot of guys, um, you know, instead of work, they'll work through an outfitter, but they're their own individual business. Right. They'll have their own website and everything set up so you can book directly through their website. 
So it, like some get not all, everyone has it set up that way, um, but like a good way to start would definitely be fly shops and then you know Google Instagram search. Yeah, that makes sense. No, fly shops makes tons of sense because obviously, you know these uh, you find people that are you know vetted, I guess through uh, through another organization, which is probably good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, um, okay, so they they found their guide, David. They're coming to fish with you, obviously. And uh, yes. <laughs> so, like, what do you like? You know, how can people prepare? You know, let's say they've made up their minds; they're going to go. You know, you know they've they've packed their bags; they're coming. You know, what can they do to prep for that trip or that day? Yeah, so to prep for a trip, um, you know, everyone always says, you know, no matter what kind of fly fishing trip you're going on, you know, practice your cast. You know, make sure you're comfortable with everything. And then, you know, with a lot of people, you know, that that'll prep people for the salt. They'll say, oh, you need to be able to cast eighty feet. You don't need to be able to cast 80 feet. Like a lot of the times, you know, a lot of our shots are between 20 to 60 feet, a lot of more than 20 to 40, but it's a lot more about accuracy. So, you know, when you think about it, instead of a drift boat, you're standing on the front of a flat skiff. So generally you'll either be on the deck um, or on an elevated platform. And so, you know, you're standing up scanning into the water. So it's a lot more of standing and waiting than it is kind of continuously casting especially up on the flats. There's definitely some scenarios um, along mangroves where you're blind casting more, but you know, you're generally standing on the front of the bow with the fly rod in hand. Um, you know, you've got a little bit of line out and you've got your fly in your left hand or your right hand. Um, so just kind of standing at the ready and um, kind of being prepared for that. It's not as much, um, you know, consistently catching fish. There's definitely days where, you know, you can have a banner day and it seems like the fish just keep coming in and coming in. But you know, a lot of times you're standing on the bow, you know, it could be, 10 minutes in between shots, it could be two hours. You know, it really depends on what's going on. So just kind of being able to stand there at the ready, just making sure, you know, um, when you're planning for it, you know, like you've got your sunscreen, you've got all the proper attire, you know, like you've got your hat, you've got sunglasses, um, you know, all the, you know, the light fitting shirts are great, especially like even though if it's, you know, 70 to 80 degrees outside, having the tech shirts are really nice. You know, they breathe a lot better. Um, and then pants too. Um, I always recommend wearing pants like shorts are great, but especially like kind of winter time, um, it does get chilly. You know, the forecast will say, you know, 70 degrees, but when you're running out across the bay, you know, at 30 yeah. miles an hour, you know, your legs are going to get cold pretty quick. So true. Yeah. Good point so, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah coming from up here, we're like, Oh yeah, Florida hot. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like even yeah. for us, you know, I mean, we're all, some of us are a bunch of babies and you know, well, it'll be, you know, 70 degrees and I'll put my bibs on and my rain jacket on and my yep. boots on just before I'm running, just because, you know, it's, I'm going to look, I mean, it's warm and comfortable, you know, and I can take all those off when I get there, but, and then, um, yeah, it's just nice to stay warm on the boat rides. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And then, um, when it comes to, cause yeah, we've been talking it's funny. We've talked a lot about like, although and I too, we're just talking about like what people can wear and it is like, it's nice to hear you say it, Cause it's like, it's important what you wear, you know, it could throw off your whole day. Um, when, when it comes to like, uh, you know, like expectations, you know, what, what can people kind of expect fish, fish wise? Like, should people basically expect that, you know, they're going to catch tons of fish or, you know, how can you kind of prep someone to be like, uh, you know, palatable to, uh, to the fishing conditions, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, you know, every day is different and, um, kind of the best way to think about it is, you know, if you, if you book a trip, um, on like a, on a river, you know, you know, those fish in a certain stretch of river, those fish are living that river all year round. So, you know, they might not be biting that day, but the fish are always there. Whereas sometimes on the flats, you know, 
you could have a group like the day before you could have had a hundred bonefish come by, go back, check the next day. And it's a barren wasteland. Mm -hmm. So it kind of like, you know, it's, it's the open ocean. So these fish move around a lot. Um, but there's, you know, that's not to say that you're not going to have, um, good opportunities to catch fish. Um, but so like for the saltwater stuff, it's a lot of the weather conditions. Um, you know, is it sunny? Is it cloudy? You know, like what's the tides doing? What's, what's the wind doing? You know, what, what's the current doing? There's so many different factors that go into it from like a guide's perspective and for the angler, you know, I think just to be prepared, you know, you could hit two or three spots in a row and, you know, not see a thing. And then that fourth and fifth spot, it just lights up. So it yeah. could be, you know, just sometimes it's time of day, sometimes it's a certain tide or the wind or whatever's going on. But, um, you know, there's some days where you'll pull a couple flats and it's a little bit quiet. And then, um, you know, you'll pull into an area and then all of a sudden you catch five fish in a row. So yeah, that's exactly kind of why, what, what I was hoping you'd say. Cause it's like, we were saying, you know, it's worth getting a guide for at least a day if you're doing a DIY trip, because exactly that reason, like the oceans are big and things change a lot. Unlike a river where, you know, there's fish and maybe just that day, but like finding these fish, you know, the guides are tuned into that kind of thing. Right. So, um, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I, th I think like, you know, Florida being a multi-species, uh, you know, scenario, like you do yeah. have like, you know, tarpon, bonefish, redfish permit and a mess of other things. Like, do you have, do you find clients are like generally coming for one specific fish or do you have people that show up with like an eight weight and a 10 weight and they're like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like, um, like what do you, what, what do you encounter? So, um, you know, generally during tarpon season, mainly guys are coming down. So like, you know, for we'll sure. say March for through the end of June, it's mainly tarpon, you know, like, um, like, so a lot of those guys will just have their tarpon gear. And then kind of outside of that, um, if guys bring their own rods, you know, I recommend, um, if you have an eight or a 10, that's great. If you have like a nine, like a seven or a nine, that works too. Um, because there's a lot of different things you can do. Like you said, you know, like leaving the, the dock in the morning, you know, if they say they don't have any expectations, they just want to see some stuff and catch some fish, you know, we'll work our way back to the park, look for some baby tarpon, some redfish and snook, and then maybe come back and look for some bonefish and permit in the afternoon or even vice versa. You know, if the, the tides are good, like kind of like, like it depends on the day, but I've noticed that some people will come down and be like, Hey, I really want to, you know, work on bonefish or I really want to work on, you know, snook and reds or you'll get the permit guys or like the tarpon guys as well. So right. it seems like a lot of people are more, they'll come up in with, I want to do this. And then if it's not really working out, I'll suggest, Hey, you know, the bonefish has been tough today. What if we go back in the park a little bit and see if we can't find any tailing redfish or some snook. And then they generally are pretty happy to, to just have that variety is pretty yeah. incredible. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, what do you think like makes a great saltwater fishing guide? You know, like what uh, attributes makes a good, a good guide for the salt? Um, someone who's very patient um, just because, you know, there's a lot of days that you'll be out there on the water and, you know, not see anything. And it's having the patience to really, you know, put your time in and, you know, dedicate, you know, yourself to learning that area, you know, like learning what the wind's doing, what the tides are doing, what, like, what is going on in your environment to be really as tuned in as possible, you know, just to, put it, to be able to give the clients the best day on the wire they can, you know, because if yeah. you kind of come in, for sure, you know, unpracticed and unprepared, you know, like if say you hadn't fished in two weeks and all of a sudden you've got a couple of trips in a row and you haven't been on the water the day before, you know, you kind of someone, you might end up using that first day as a scouting day, whereas you could have gone out and scouted the day before just to kind of check on things to see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. What are some things people can do that like, you know, if, if you've never been to saltwater fly fishing or even if you have, and you've never been to Florida, like what, what's some things that people can do aside from practicing casting to just like maybe get the most out of it? 
you know, because like, you know, if they're not used to casting in the wind or something like, like, like what? Um, I would say the biggest thing um, is just to ask questions, you know, like a lot of times I've noticed that, um, you know, get guys come in, you know, that they, they fish in certain areas for a certain amount of time and, you know, they do really well in that area, but that doesn't always translate into other regions. So like I've had guys that'll come down and, you know, we'll be fishing. It's kind of slow. And, you know, we'll just start picking apart their cast a little bit. They'll start to try, you know, different angles, like trying into the wind, you know, throwing a little bit more of a back cast, like trying to work on your loops a little bit, working on your double haul. So, and I think that's always, and it's a great way, you know, to spend, you know, 15, 30 minutes, you know, especially yeah. with the fishing slow, just, you know, taking a step back, like, you know, trying to figure out what, how to be the most successful and, you know, throwing an eight weight and a 10 weight versus throwing a four and a six weight is vastly different. For sure. So yeah. learning how yeah. to load that line and how to control that line is the biggest thing. Because a lot of guys, you know, once you get your single haul down, it's easy to start throwing that line. But, you know, once you've got 50 feet of line out, once you can bring that double haul in and really control that line. Because if you got a fish that's moving from left to right, you have to be able to pick up that line, that 50 feet of line, and put it straight back down with just one false cast. So mm-hmm. practicing loading that line and just being comfortable having that much line out. So... Yeah, I think like yeah. the practice aspect, like uh, to add that into your trip, um, just to help you, you know, go home. Even if you know the fishing was slow, you still learned something and you came away, you know, a better angler from the trip. That's yeah, a great. That makes yeah, tons of like sense. leave the water maybe better than you than you than you, than you started, arrived at yeah. the waters. It really, I, yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like a story about like a really really awesome guy today, um, like a really awesome client that stands out in your memory as as being, you know, like oh man that that person, you know, really stuck with me. Um, or even a type of person, if you don't have a specific. Case. Yeah. I mean like the one, I think the most recent, you know, I had a guy who came down and, um, you know, we were, th- we threw, it was like a, it was a spin and fly trip. So, you know, we caught a bunch of fish on bait and spin and, um, you know, he had thrown a fly rod a little bit, um, out West, but you know, nothing any too serious. And, you yeah. know, I basically got him throwing, you know, 50 feet of line and, you know, being able to control the line, um, within like five, 10 minutes of just working with him and, you know, trying to give him a little bit of tips to help him out because he, you know, was trying to pick it up and get it out there as much as he could. And the line was just kind of going everywhere. And I, you know, we worked for it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's throwing lasers and I tried to get him a fish with it, but he, um, unfortunately we didn't have any more targets that afternoon, but I mean, he Mm -hmm. definitely walked away, you know, I mean, his casting, was a hundred X what it was before he stepped on the boat. So like to be able to, that yeah. was probably my most memorable as far as being able to help someone basically start from nothing, understanding the basics of it to being able to like feel the rod, load the rod and just cast and be comfortable with it. Yeah. I guess the big thing I'm tr- I'm getting to then is like, uh, listen to your guide. If you're going to go on a fishing a guide a day, you know, just be receptive to learning, be open to trying stuff and not be uh, shut down. And, you know, like, I think if you have a guide a day, you have a great opportunity to like, yeah, learn from an expert. And also, you know, it's kind of fun, like just to, to have that kind of back and forth with another angler who really knows their stuff, you know? Um, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I would also say um, another big tip um, on the boat, like you, you were saying, listen to your guide, Mm-hmm. Um, that's crucial on the flats because, you know, bone fishing, for example, yesterday we were out and we were fishing in an area that you know, had a lot of light bottom, but there was a lot of brown, darker patches. And, you know, on the bow, you can't see as much as the guide can because he's up about three feet higher than you. So he cuts that glare a little bit more than you can. So, mm-hmm. you know, my buddy that I was fishing with, he's like, you got, you know, 10 fish doing this at this clock and I couldn't see those fish, but I pointed my rod to where he said those fish were and I just cast it out there. 
even yeah. though I couldn't see them myself, but I trusted that he, I was throwing it where he said, and you know, he said bump, bump. So I just was listening to him because I can't, I can right. see the fly, but I can't see the fish. So I'm just listening to him. And then when he said, hit it, I just stripped back and it all, you know, had right. my bonefish on. So right. just really like trying to hammer home that it's a team effort and like, yeah, you know, for sure. Like sure, it's not yeah. just the angler up on the bow, like seeing something and I'm just, you know, pushing you along for eight hours. It's yeah. a teamwork, like working together. And, um, so I think the, the listening aspect and just the paying attention too, because, you know, once, like once you're honing in on a fish, like for bonefish, you know, you've got a very small window of opportunity to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're not paying attention and you know, that fly gets out there and he said, okay, pick that up, they move, you know, 10 feet to the left and you take too long to get that fly in and can't pick mm-hmm. it up and put it back down then you might miss out on the opportunity. So being able to like be in tune with what's going on um, and just, you know, understanding and listening to your guide. Yeah. is the best teamwork. Yeah, the I imagine that's would be cool. pretty rewarding when you like, yeah. you, you, you have that scenario that you were describing where it's like, you like, you know, the angler at the, at the bow is casting to a fish that they necessarily don't necessarily see. And you, it's almost like, yeah. you know, you're fishing through their body in a weird way. Like, I don't know, like, like you're an av- like they're your avatar or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's got to be pretty rewarding to be like, coach somebody through that and then have it go the way it it's actually supposed work to go. Out, yeah. I have to oh, imagine yeah. that's rewarding. Yeah. 100%. Like, I got a, I had a friend down um, a couple of months ago and, you know, he had never caught a fish on fly before in the saltwater. You know, he's got a nice red fish coming in. He kind of like, I just had him make a cast out and I saw this fish kind of move onto it. And I was just kind of coaching him through it, through it, through it, like move it, move it, move it, got him. And then the second that he hooked up, I mean, I was arms in the air just going nuts just because, I mean, it's that, <laughs> you know, awesome. I'm, I want them to have that experience so bad. I mean, you know, I know this trip's a lot of money and it, you put a lot of time and effort into it mm-hmm. and I want them to be just as successful as they do. So it's almost more gratifying on the back of the boat because you get to see the whole show. I mean, I get yeah. to see this fish come in. I get to see him go down, eat the fly tell you to set and then for you to set and come tight and then to coach you through, you know, the fight and then, you know, to get that fish to hand and to get that picture, just that the grip and grin is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. awesome. I mean, that would be super fun. Um, I guess like uh, one thing to kind of round this out is, um, you know, thing I'm, I'm curious about is when you got into saltwater fly fishing yourself, did you find it discouraging? Did you find it, you know, tricky? Like, I guess parting words for people who might be going for their first time, you know, what can they expect just from that experience of it, you know? Yeah, so I mean, I got my first saltwater rod um, my sophomore year of college, sophomore year of college. So I was 19. I was um, 24 when I caught my first bonefish on fly, Uh, 24 when I caught my first redfish on fly. Um, You know, I'd caught some snook and uh, baby tarpon on fly before that. But like, you know, it takes a while to, you know, just perfect that cast. Like in college, like, I wasn't fishing a whole lot because I had practiced in school. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would just, you know, grab a pizza box from the night before. And I had, I would like buy a, you know, a bonefish fly and cut the hook off or the, you know, the sharp part off yeah. Yeah, and yeah. just practice in the yard. I mean, dude, I'd spend fit like 30, 30 minutes a day and, you know, just hitting targets, you know, just practicing. Yeah. Like for me, it was more, I enjoyed like the weight and loading the rod, like, and just trying to, you know, practice as much as I can. Like same thing with archery, you know, you're not going to, Mm-hmm. buy a bow and you know say like shoot once in your backyard and be like okay i'm good to go for a yeah. bull elk hunt in colorado like <laughs> yeah, d- 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 good point <laughs> you know it doesn't yeah. happen so like i just really put in that time so that way when i knew because my bow time was very limited in college and it was just to make sure that whenever i stepped on that bow i was as prepared as i could be um for any situation 
Yeah. Yeah. Love that. No, that makes sense. That's, that's good. That's good. Cause I think people could maybe do it and get frustrated and be like, screw this. But I think to your point, hang with it. And you know, uh, that's part of the fun, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it takes time, but I mean, what I found is, you know, I just am enjoying the process. And like, I look yeah. back now and like, especially over my last couple of years here in the keys, it's like, you know, like last year I caught my first permit, not on fly, but just with a live crab. But I mean, just as hard as it was to get them on bait, like I can't even imagine what it's going to be like <laughs> when I get one on fly. And like, you know, I've, ha- I've hooked a couple on fly and like things haven't worked out, but I mean, just, you know, knowing that it's going to happen. I think, you know, I'm kind of lucky that I get to go do it tomorrow. So I, I have that in the back of my head, but just, you know, I think saltwater fly fishing is one of those things that you like, you have to commit to it. If you want to really get into it, like yeah. you just have to embrace the suck, you know, like the first, like you might have a great first couple of trips and then have a big slump for a while. Like, yeah, it just right. kind of yeah. ebbs and flows and just, you know, trusting the process and knowing like, it's, you know, it's a compounding thing over time. Like there'll be like just being able to stand on the bow and know that, you know, if anything swims in front of you within 40 feet, you're going to catch that fish because you're confident in your ability. Like just that, having that alone separates you from a lot of other people. Yeah. So just being patient, putting in that time and, um, you know, yeah. Trusting the process. Yeah. That's that's all you can do. I love it. David, thank you. Thank you so much for like, you know, giving us these tips. I think it's really uh, helpful to hear from a guide and, and, and like, you know, pro in the salt. So, uh, yeah, it's been yeah, really cool. Wicked. Um, you know, before we part ways, yeah. like how could people book you and what are you like, what, what can they book you for? Like, what are you fishing for down there? How can people find you? And you know, yeah. this is shameless plug time. Plug yourself, man. <laughs> All right. So the shameless plug, um, you can follow me on Instagram at Cap- captain David Dinsmore. Um, my website is dinsmorefishingcharters.com and the type of trips that I run, you know, I'm a primarily a flats fishing guide. So, um, bonefish permit, redfish, snook, tarpon, bait and fly. So spinning rods and fly rods, um, you know, definitely, you know, major tarpon season from March through the end of June. That's pretty much all we're doing that time of year. So if you want to get your, your fix on, um, some big, um, big tarpon, you know, come on down and then rest of the year is, you know, kind of July, August, September, October is bonefish permit season. And then um, red fishing and snook fishing is pretty much year round. So um, anyone looking to come from the north to escape the, the cold winters, you know, fishing's good during the winter time down here. Sick. Right. Okay. Well, we'll put those links in the show notes too. But uh, yeah, thanks again, David. Much appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so guys much for having me. All right, that's how that's you know kind of a rough guide to getting into saltwater fishing for your first time from people that kind of are getting into saltwater fishing for their first time. Obviously, we're not uh, <laughs> experts. Aldo's probably the most learned salt angler here. I'm definitely the least. Um, you'll mind pop you right in between. Uh, really? But uh, yeah, and I think I, <laughs> I think that's I think that's the whole that point of the show. We were trying to give people a who are new to it kind of that perspective from from you know somewhat newbies of saltwater. Uh, life obviously there's people out there that are you know pros at this thing and experts so i'm sure there's other podcasts i mean some we've done other shows that have done one some two or youtube videos from anglers there's a wealth of knowledge out there but hopefully this kind of gave you some kind of guidelines of what to start doing in terms of you know getting out there and doing your first trip totally Um, and and you know listen if you know heck listen to our podcast like if you listen to our texas shows like we've got yeah, we, we've got you know really knowledgeable guides on there talking about redfish. Yeah, um, you know we've got uh, Joe point, Gugino man. talking about stripers. If you want to get into the striper fishing thing, we have a back um, catalog of all kinds of salt 
all of our salt trips are documented on, you know, hour and a half long podcasts where we got into the details of it all. So go back, check those out, you know, Mexico, Tobago, Bahamas times Both like Bahamas, multiple trips. Yeah. The Mexico Texas, trips. Yeah. Multiple times. So yeah. um, I would just, say yeah. in summary. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry. Am I? No, no. I actually was. I, just doing a little remember. dance. I just actually forgot what I was actually going to say. So. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I would say in summary. You know, like <laughs> if you're going to plan a trip, like obviously figure out what you can afford. And then from yeah. there, figure out what you want to fish for. And then yeah. from there, load your, you know, do some research on how to fish for that and where to fish for that. And and load up on some of the, you know, the flies and the leaders and the terminal tackle and the rods that, you know, might you might need. Um, and uh, you don't necessarily need to break the bank anymore. And I would say go to your local fly shop for that kind of advice. Or, you know, email us at info at sofly.ca. Um, you know, then start picking out your loadout, like your essential gear, which is like, I'd say, you know, definitely clothing, boots, mm -hmm. sunglasses. Yeah. I uh, think that was the big thing. Maybe people take away is pliers. Like, people think fishing gear and stuff, but it's like, in a way that's kind of the easy stuff. It's like when you're out there, you want to be comfortable, having fun, staying safe. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, we're talking about clothes and gear in that way, but it's really important. Like you're out there, you know? So yeah, but you're yeah. out there for nine, you know, get yourself a good reusable water bottle and, yeah. and make sure you're drinking lots of water. I yeah. think a hook hone is very essential when you're down there. Oh, shit. That's a good well, point. Because your hooks are yeah. in uh, yeah, coral. You want yeah. them to be razor sharp because some of these, some you know. You yeah. Know, these beasts. Learn your double, you know, practice and learn your double haul and definitely practice and learn your, your strip setting and. Yeah. And, um, and, and actually, don't set. Yeah. if you go to Gene, our, our buddy Gene, the, at like the Gene Bug, the has yeah. a wicked tip on marking your fly line. Because for some of us that don't think in yards too often, yeah. terms of, or feet in terms of shots, marking off every 10 feet of your fly line can be really, really handy to understand where you are in your in your in your cast. So that when you know you see something that's six, or your buddy or your guide says 60 feet away, yeah, well then you know exactly. Or at least a better idea yeah, to get it out yeah. there. So yeah, keep, uh, you know, I'd keep say on, keep, on, keep, on, keep on exploring. Keep, keep on, on exploring people. As a final thought, hopefully this was a okay. nice sort of entrance into um, showing you it's not as scary um, or intimidating as maybe you think it is. But mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. What do we want to talk about now? There's something I wanted to say, but I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, I fly mean, we, tying. Well, why don't we just say this? It's like, you know, it, it, we we have a we know a whole Rolodex of guides and even DIY people that can help, you know? So just email us for some some help and we can put you in touch with the right people, you know? Hell yeah. Um I've gotten back into fly tying. We've noticed. Oh, do you have a picture of your guest your your desk? Um well, didn't I send it to you the other day? I, I know. Mean, maybe I can that was me being did, you bring, like, did you bring your you desk back to um from Ottawa? No, no. So I've had this desk for a little while now. And Steph, my wife, was using it for work. And uh, she hadn't been What's sitting there smoke? in a little while because she goes in. Oh, it's incense. Um, she goes into work. So I was like, I'm going to turn that into a tying desk. It's like the perfect tying desk because it's got the little cubbies and stuff. You can put all the materials in. Um, anyway, so restocked some stuff. Got all my stuff I've had for literally 20 years in, a, in my tackle box. Which, by the way, I don't know if anyone else does that. Great thing to do if you... Smart. Uh, Smart. Yeah, it's... Like during COVID, I was like, I need to organize my fly tying stuff. I was like, man, big Plano box, you know? Well, it's got all the shelves out, for everything. Yeah. I know a few people that sew for a living, you know? 
Okay. That use tackle boxes for all their sewing stuff. So essentially, it's the same thing. Tackle boxes are great, man. Yeah, but yeah I've reset it up and uh, been kind of getting back into tying. And well, you, you said see. you went to Drift and bought some material and stuff. Yeah, I went to Drift, got some stocked up on some stuff to make this specific fly. I saw on Instagram yesterday, tied by the one and only um, FB Fly Tying, which is uh, on Instagram, Frank Brassard. Oh, okay. Uh, what was it? What's it was a baby gonga. Okay. And what is you know it? Is it a streamer? Is it it's a, a streamer? Yeah. With like a polar fiber. It's like a articulated streamer with a polar fiber spun head. Oh. Um, and like for pink. bass. Um, yeah. I mean, you could probably use this for like, I mean, you could probably use it for sure. I was going to use it for pike and bass. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, that looks super pike and bassy. Hold on. I'm getting a picture of it so I can show you. Baby gonga. Kind of looks like that. Kind of looks like that. Oh, that's oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. super dope, right? Oh, you could definitely mm-hmm. that that could be trouty that's a bassy. too. Though. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like and trouty. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, uh, I saw that. I was like, ah, I want to tie that. So I hopped my car, went down a drift, got all the stuff for it. Come back, and I tied a really crappy version of it. But um, <laughs> hey, man, it's practice been a long time. Perfect. I know I got to get back into tying because it's just been so long. Like honestly, like the last time I was really into fly tying, I was fifteen years old. You know, so it's been a little bit. Um, and it's fun and I'd like to, I'd like to get, I'd like to just get back into, uh, I think when I quit fly tying generally was when I started trying to do classic salmon patterns, which is funny. Cause I was like, no. Nope. And then I just didn't touch the vice for like 15 years. <laughs> you like tried um, one like green Highlander and you're like, I can't marry these wings. Yeah. I'm like, nah, nah. So, but I'd like to get back to that. Cause, uh, I know it's fun, especially right now in the winter, you know, it's winter here, obviously. Winter and what do you think of uh, Idis's? What do you think of Idis's uh, knucklehead? Because he's he's tying every day and yeah, that he's tying lots. Through. Yeah, that was a really yeah. cool fly. I'm excited to use that for a pike. This, interesting this pattern. Summer. Yeah, interesting yeah. pattern. It's got a big foam head on it. Um, yeah. Streamer. Yeah, big chunky streamer. Yo, mm-hmm. Mike Crap. Yeah, shout out to Mike Crap. <laughs> your tying is wild. And that, your page looks great. Well, we always knew that. Yes, but he's, he's, he's but so he's like good. he's just keeps tying and tying and obviously getting better and better every yeah, yeah, yeah. fly he ties. And like the spun deer head one that he did the other day, the way he was able to like shape the the eye of the the hook there and like the deer hair, I was like, dang man, this is like it looked amazing. Seriously, uh master Everybody class. Should go check out Mike yeah, Mike on Instagram. On Instagram. Uh, your flies are looking really groovy, brother. Really, uh, but yeah, I don't I've know. got something. Yeah. Um. Uh. What do you got, baby? A guy uh, follows us on on socials as his own brand called Chucker Fly Apparel. Sent us some stickers. So oh, I just wanted to say yeah. thank you for that. Cool. What is them? Uh, I'm opening them right now. So oh, if you're fun. watching on uh, YouTube. What's the Instagram you handle? Chucker Fly Apparel. I started following and commenting on our TikToks oh. when we when, with those the 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 boat when we were Nick and I were doing the boat mods. Yeah. Because he was like being like, oh, you should try this. Oh, you should try that. Oh, cool. Uh, it looks like he's, um, I'm assuming he's from the West Coast. Yeah. Because um, a lot of his stuff is all steelheady. And look how sick this steelhead s- sticker is. Oh, that's a dope sticker. Oh, that's kind amazing. Of like, uh, yeah, it's like that. 80s. Uh, yeah. 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 You, Chucker cool. Fly Apparel. Oh, you know what it reminds like me of? Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. That's yeah. what yeah, it is. Yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So thank Very you for cool. the stickers. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you know, you, a little sir. shout out there. Yeah. Um, that's Good so work. nice when people send us stuff. Tell him yeah. to send us our, his portfolio. I want to see his stuff. Well, you could go to his Instagram, Chucker Fly Apparel. Chucker Fly Apparel right on Instagram. Go right now, people. 
Um, uh, he's also on YouTube and TikTok, so you can check him out there. Cool. But yeah, thank you for the stickers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of all. That's all I got. I'm glad you're getting back into tying there, Mitchie. That's awesome. Yeah, and I wanted to go fishing tomorrow, but um, I think it's starting to snow right now. We're getting like a mm-hmm. thousand yeah, centimeters of snow, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of nice to be honest with you because this winter hasn't been very wintry it's been Um, rain for weeks yeah Yeah, i mean you know for but i mean yeah it's just yeah so it's kind of i kind of don't mind getting snow i'm dog sitting right now and you know i'm tired of taking him out he's a standard poodle i'm tired of taking him out and there's mu- the muddy fields to like yeah. fetch, you know, because he's coming back. I got to wash him and he's a poodle. So he's all, fr- he's all fly like fly time hair. material, fly time. Material. Yeah, he's flea exactly. And he's all like, he's like a mop. And, uh, <laughs> mop flies. So I'm excited for the snow. <laughs> what happened to my dog's fur? Yilma got it's back like, into uh, fly tying. Yeah, exactly. all gone. <laughs> poodle flies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poodle flies. Yeah, poodle flies. <laughs> That's what Ida does. He ties flies with Bruce's fur. A lot of people do that, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, why not? Um, what about you guys? You guys fishing soon? Although, aren't you going to like... Well, we're going to Denver in like a couple of days. Yeah, we're Belize pretty stoked. Too? I mean, if you're listening to this in a couple of days, we're going to be in Denver at the Denver Fly Fishing yeah. Show. Uh, we'll be at the Reddington Rio Farbank booth. So if you're around, I mean, not the for the entire time, but you know, yeah. You could probably find us there if, you know, or we'll be, or we'll be wandering around being like, whoa, what is this place? <laughs> That's exactly what we're going to do. And just like interview people on the spot, try to yeah. get some stuff for everybody. But stay tuned because that shows we'll be doing a show on that. Um, but and then, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're and we're going to try and get out um, fishing one day. And, and, and we're trying to line up a day with, uh, you know, a recent guest, Austin Campbell. So hopefully yeah. that works out. But uh, if you're yeah. listening to this on the 15th and you're going to be at the show. The show's um, the 19th, 20th, 21st of yeah. January. And if you're in Denver and if you're at that show, look for me and Mitch. We'll yeah. be wearing SoFly hoodies probably. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Come say hi. We'd love to meet you. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun. And then, uh, and then, yeah, you guys got some salt trips coming up, which is cool. Oh, yeah. we'll, I know we'll be talking about All those. Got two. Coming, I've got coming one. casts. Yeah. Yeah, you've got yeah, you've got one too. You got, you, I've got we'll, three. we'll talk about that next show because that's gonna be Aldo's got three. That's exciting. Of course he does. He's look at him over there smirking. He's salt, away. Look at he's all salty. Look at, look at <laughs> He's all salty, baby. I know I said I keep saying this every year and like I'm really starting to beat myself up about it. Like I got I can't especially after this year, guys. Yeah. There's three weeks of rain, no snow. Like I don't yeah. mind winter if I can recreate in it. But if yeah. I'm just like looking out my window at literal poo, like yeah. This I isn't know. fun. Like I, I would like. I, let's start. You know, let's if you start, could go, let's start snowbirding. Yeah. You know, I'd be hell yeah, hell yeah. Start brother. snowbirding somewhere, maybe Long Island, Bahamas, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have a place to stay in about a year and a half. In Tobago, that's right. In Tobago. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, start learning that. the flats over there. Mm-hmm. Oh. Be cool. I've only like, yeah, I'd love to get more into salt stuff. Obviously, I'm, I've only done it a f- like a few times, but uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. And, it's really uh, fun. It's super yeah. fun. And I hope everybody tries it. It's really different. You know, you, you cast very little, yeah, but the fish you catch. Even just going, if, you, if you're even just fishing like a little canal in Miami, like let's say you're just going to Miami, even just fishing a canal for like peacocks you and know? snook and stuff, oh, yeah. being in that environment, it's just yeah. like for fish. Hey, man. So I went to a from, resort you know? in Jamaica in Negril, and I keep interrupting yeah. you, Mitch. I apologize. And Not at all. You're talking, you're talking about little canals, and that's all I yeah. did. I just paid somebody to take me to the canal, and, caught, yeah. and we caught my nephew and I caught snook. He caught more snook than I did. 
Yeah, yeah it's that's cool, awesome. Anna. Yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. It's great. <laughs> Snook man, snooker so. Sick. I think that's just the thing. Like once you look through the, like the world through the lens of yeah. fly fishing, like all of a sudden it's a whole different layer to travel. You know? Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Sneaking a day here, sneaking a morning there. You know. <laughs> Well, hopefully you found some value in this episode. And, um, you know, if you're a seasoned pro and uh, and we said something wrong, hey, just let us know. If you got better tips, info at soulfly.ca. But uh, if you're a beginner to it, I hope you enjoyed this. And again, first episode of the new year, uh, we got lots of cool guests in the works. Um, so, yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to be trying to make this this year a year of fabulous podcasts. So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Uh, that's it for me, Mitch. Uh, Aldo? Bye. Yelma? Bye. Take care. Comb your hair. You can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at SoFly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly crew. Thanks for listening.